Welcome back to another episode of Better Than I Found It, the podcast all things college golf. You're listening to Mike McGraw, the men's golf coach at Baylor University. Today's guest is Western Kentucky men's golf coach Austin King. Austin and I discussed the impact his college coach, Philip Hatchett, had on his playing career at WKU, but also how that experience will influence his coaching going forward. We also talk about the excitement to be coaching at his alma mater, something not every coach gets to do. Austin's a terrific young coach, and I know you'll enjoy listening. Okay, better than I found it, listeners, let's give a big welcome to newly hired Western Kentucky head coach, good friend of mine, Austin King. Austin, thanks for joining me today on Better Than I Found It. Uh, thanks, guys. Happy to be here. Excited for this. Yeah, this is this will be great. I, you know, I don't have, um, I, I don't know how many kids or young coaches that I've had, you know, some sort of influence on or mentored or whatever. I don't know how many I've had on here yet, but but you're definitely one that uh, I knew you well. <laughs> you were still in college and yeah. wanting to be a coach, so. Um, this will be fun to, to talk. And I, and my gosh, I said newly hired. I mean, you've literally been the head coach for two months. Yeah. Yeah. Two months. I mean, I kind of, I guess I found out that I got the job. It was right before we left the regionals at Charlotte, uh, finished out the season with them and jumped in right away. Um, hmm. Just basically just got my car headed over, got on the road recruiting. It was like, all right, I just got to go do something. <laughs> so let's go. Well, how old are you again? Remind me. Just turned 29 about three yeah, weeks I mean, ago. I was so not ready to be a head coach at a division one <laughs> school when I was 29. I promise you, no way was I ready. So I don't know. I can't even imagine what is going through your mind right now as the student athletes are getting ready to come back to campus. So you've been here, but basically two months, mm-hmm. what, what have been the biggest surprises? What's kicked you right smooth in the teeth? What, like, what has been the biggest adjustment so far as a head coach? And the, the athletes aren't here yet, but you've been a head coach. Yeah. I think the big thing of just like, being the guy to call the shots now, it's it's been really good for me. Um, it definitely has its overwhelming moments that I've definitely had and had to talk through with people, but uh, you work through it. Um, and just, I remember when I was like making my recruiting schedule, I was like going through tournaments, just like in the area regionally. And then I'm kind of looking around. It's like, oh, okay. It's, I make the call now of what I'm going to do here. So it's not uh Cabo who I worked for at Charlotte. It's not, it's like, all right, Austin, you go to, this tournament in South Carolina, then Georgia, and then go to this in Tennessee and then, all right, get on the road and see it. It's like, all right, now I make that call for myself. So it's empowering, but definitely overwhelming times, but I think it's been good for me. It's, it's made me be decisive and just kind of really have to trust my instinct a little bit more. It's moments that are really easy to kind of second guess yourself and doubt a little bit, but it's one of those where you just have to be very committed. Like we talk about that with our players and golf shots and it's like, now here's that for me now. So when you're an assistant coach and the coach tells you to go to this tournament and recruit, you know, you go because you're the loyal assistant coach. Yeah. Uh, maybe you question what he says, like, why would you do that? I remember when we were recruiting Brian Harmon. So I was, mm-hmm. I was the assistant coach and he was from Georgia. And I knew in my heart of hearts, he was going to Georgia. And Mike Holder said, we're going to follow him every step of the way the next mm-hmm. two years. And I just kept on thinking, we did that with Ryan Hibble. It did not work out. And but Mike was still of a mind that if we worked hard enough, mm-hmm. we could get it done. But I questioned it. I really did in the back of my mind. And yeah. um, I don't know. Now, if you question it, you're questioning yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. You? Yeah, it's like, oh, this is just me now. Okay. 
So. That is crazy. So you're the head coach. Are you going to have an assistant coach to start with? Uh, yes, I do. Um, he actually started last week a few days ago. His name's James Boone. Uh, he was a guy who, honestly, he applied uh, when I posted it. He It was really cool. He applied like within an hour or two, and he had a really cool resume uh, that was in cover letter that was really well done, super detail-oriented and stuff. And I could tell he had a really cool story. Um, so he grew up in Murray, Kentucky, uh, just a couple hours away from here in Bowling Green. And he actually originally was a basketball player. Um, played basketball at Sanford University down in Birmingham, played there for a year, I believe, and then he got hurt, moved back to Murray um, to transfer to Murray State. And he was a, I think he was a decent junior player and high school player uh, golf-wise, and he kind of got back into that, started competing again, and actually walked on the golf team and played there his last two years. Mm. Um, So really, really, really cool, unique background. Hit it off with him well right away. You can tell he's a guy who's in it for the right reasons um and just he's been a sponge so far like all like asked all sorts of questions wanting to know how this works how that works wanting to know like what all he can do what he can do to get better as a coach and ways to think uh so he's been absolutely fantastic so far i'm really excited to work with him well is he actually your assistant coach is he a ga what is that is he uh, he's a grad assistant so okay so let's talk about that real quick because that's your unique entry into college coaching was yes. you were a grad assistant so it's an unusual thing because you're not being paid, but your schooling is being paid. Right. And so I think it's a pure way to get into coaching because you're mm-hmm. doing it because you want to enter into the profession. For sure. So you posted an hour later, he uh, applies and you're in. How did you get in your GA graduate assistant opportunity? Yeah. So kind of what I did, I know we'll get into this story even deeper later on. So I knew it was my senior year. I knew I wanted to coach college golf. I knew I probably wasn't good enough to play. Uh, professionally. And I just kind of knew it was like, all right, I got to start somewhere and I'm going to have to start from the bottom and just work my way up. That's how this is going to go. And so I just sent out a bunch of blind emails to coaches all over the country, just trying to find some sort of opportunity somewhere. And, um, you, and with that, you don't get a lot of responses. Some it's just like, you don't have anything. Some are like, we don't have anything, but here's some advice for you. Here's my phone number. Give me a call. Um, but then how mine kind of came about was uh, Ben Hannon down at the University of South Alabama actually did have an opening. And so he reached back out to me. I remember we talked on the phone once and then, and had a really good conversation. He talked to my head coach who I was playing for here at Western at the time uh, a little bit. And then I happened to be, this is like the winter of my senior year. So like December, January, right in there before school started back up, I was down in Pensacola, Florida playing just like a winter college event. Um, just to kind of stay competitive uh, during that off season. And it was only an hour or two away from Mobile. And I told him that like, Hey, I'm going to be in the area. I can come over there and just like meet you in person. He said, yeah, that'd be great. So I went over there one day and had kind of an informal interview and if you will. Uh, and then he called me a couple of weeks later and offered it to me. And it's like, all right, moving to Mobile, Alabama to University of South Alabama to get this thing started. So uh, yeah. And then, and so I had my two years there and yeah, it's like you get your grad school paid for and you get a little bit of a stipend every month and, I was fortunate to have some parents who have been supportive of my coaching career and helped me kind of live while I was doing that. Well, I just, I just love the story. And I hope uh, your new assistant GA assistant, you know, I hope it works out the same for him because it's hard breaking into our profession anymore. Mm -hmm. It's not easy. And the fact that you used a little bit different route to do it and you're a smart kid. So the school part didn't bother you, but you still had to juggle school coaching and all of that. Mm -hmm. There was a lot to juggle, wasn't it? 
Yeah, yeah, for sure it was. Um, it was a. I guess I got my MBA while I was there, and I mean, I still I had class two nights a week, but still had to study for tests and do everything. But uh, I was able to really pour into the coaching and really. That's that's why I was there because I wanted to start my coaching career. I wanted to help this team and help these guys at this program that I'm a part of now get better. Well, it's a two way street too. You did get your master's paid for, yeah, which is <laughs> which is very that's nice, a wonderful yeah. deal. But let's back up a little bit. A good friend of yours and a former player of mine, Hunter Shattuck. Uh, I mean, absolute legendary figure, Hunter. He's unbelievable. He He's amazing. Um, he was actually a guest on this podcast before. And, and mm -hmm. I just have so many great memories. But I remember Hunter telling me uh, before the school year started, I've got this friend. His name's Austin King. And he's a senior, going to be a senior at Western Kentucky. And he really wants to talk about getting into coaching. Would you talk to him? I said, sure. And the next thing I know, it's not 30 minutes you've called me. And about two days later, you're in my office. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember just talking to you thinking, I've never had a kid talk to me while he's still competing in college about mm -hmm. getting into coaching. So you'd already made the decision mentally mm -hmm. you were moving on. Uh, right. What do you remember about that meeting? I want to hear because I have my memories. Yeah, I remember that. I just I drove down there to Waco and you're like uh, and you I was so grateful for it because it was in the middle of crazy recruiting season and everything like that. Um, and I came down there and I, we met there in your office there at Twin Rivers or I guess it's Bear Ridge now. I know you've got your new place, the Billy Williams uh, facility. Uh, and you met we met for like four hours and I just sat there and you answered every question that I had any a lot of questions I had you wanted like were answered before I even got to them. But just all the different stories I heard, like your journey of like kind of how you started as the high school coach and then you turned into the Oklahoma State assistant um, and then the head coach. But then kind of the transformation you had like towards from the end of that stage in season to your year at Alabama with Coach Sewell to where you're now there at Baylor. Um, you let me in on everything, which I really, really appreciated. So I felt like just very fulfilled with plenty of good lessons to learn of like and understanding what was important uh that it was more it's this is all about the players it's not necessarily about me but it's on me to help them get through that uh yeah it was something I remember that that's something I'll forever be grateful for well thank you for saying that I remember it as when I looked back on our meeting and when I wrote that book a couple of years later I remember thinking well I, I already rehearsed this you know I literally told you that whole story that yeah. I wrote in the book uh, in that four-hour period and I think it was good therapy for me, but it was very nice of Hunter to connect us. And then mm -hmm. obviously you and I have stayed connected uh, through the coaching and you coached for a very dear friend of mine, uh, Ryan mm -hmm. Cabbage at, at Coastal or at uh, Charlotte. And, but I want to say this Hunter who brought us together, Hunter Shattuck, and you have a really interesting story. He alluded yeah. to this when he got on the podcast, but I don't think he did the story any justice. So how did you meet Hunter Shattuck in competitive golf? Yeah. So I, uh... I actually told this story at his wedding too, which is wonderful. <laughs> I love telling this story. So um, it was, it was like this, it was an NTPGA junior tour, which was like a little junior tour that we played on in East Texas uh, when we were growing up. And it was like summer 2009 or so, I want to say. And this like little one day events shotgun started at 9am and uh, me and another guy we we're playing with, his name is Connor Barbie. I still remember this. Uh, we got paired with Hunter and I didn't know who Hunter was at the time. And we were playing at Eagles Bluff country club, a golf course there just outside of Tyler. And we were, we got put on hole 16 a cause it was shotgun. And 
anyone who had ever played Eagles Bluff before knew that the 10th green and the 16th green were like right next to each other. So because it was a shotgun, you just kind of had to walk out to your hole and they gave guys 20, 30 minutes to get out there, then let's start going. And so we walked down 10 and then walked down 16, you're there on the tee box. And uh, me and Connor wait for a little bit and they're like, where's this Hunter Shattuck kid? Who is he? And it's like, well, maybe just no show for the day. That happened at times. And so we start playing and we're like, we've hit our shots into the green. We're walking up to the green and we see this little guy walking around from 17 T behind the green. And he's like, Hey, are y'all 16 a or like, yeah, that's us. And he's like, Hey, I'm Hunter. Sorry. I'll catch up. And so Hunter walks his way on back to the, back to the tee box. And it was a rough start for him. I would say he smother hooked a couple in the water and I think he made an eight <laughs> on the first hole, but what Hunter had done and Hunter is a very, logical thinker with a lot of common sense um and and now he's now he's about to be an attorney and just took the bar mm-hmm. exam yeah well what hunter thought he's like oh i'm playing 16 so i'll walk down 18 17 16 makes perfect sense That's- also anyone who had played eagles bluff before knows the distance between the 18th tee box and the 17th green at eagles bluff is probably long enough to host a charity 5k <laughs> so Hunter probably walked a good three miles at this point just to get there to the hole and uh, showed up late. And it was just a really, really funny story to look back on. It's like, ah, this guy. But little did I know that'd be the day I met one of my best friends, someone I still talk to on a daily basis. I've talked to him today already. So um, yeah, and he pretty t- amazing he- to see how far everything has come. Well, I mean, it really is. And it, I think another interesting thing about Hunter is he was so he was so much fun, but he was mm-hmm. also very humble. Yeah. And a really smart guy, but you ne- he never kind of let on that. He was just mm-hmm. a good old country boy from East Texas. He took his law the school entrance exam and scored a genius level. I mean, yeah. like ridiculous. Yeah. And when I called him up to say, Hunter, somebody told me you scored really high in this test. He said, yeah, who knew it? I guess I'm a genius. <laughs> he had no idea. Yeah. Sounds just like him. <laughs> no, he's one uh, of the things. No. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just going to say, yeah, he that talk about a guy who has never like tried to who's never boasted in himself whatsoever about as humble as they come he is and that was one of the things i worked with him on uh Mm -hmm. he would self-deprecate occasionally Mm -hmm. you know wouldn't wouldn't take a compliment the proper way and and i taught him that i said i'm not putting up with that yeah if somebody gives you a compliment say thank you if uh somebody pays you a compliment don't try to deflect it it's like they meant it so mm-hmm. thank you. And but Hunter is an out, outstanding human being. He will make a great attorney. He's just everything about Hunter is good. And he's trying to play golf again. He's in Texas as we're recording this podcast. Yeah, he. Uh, uh, I guess he's got a couple of weeks before his um, because he's already got a job lined up with a firm there in Washington, D.C., where him and his wife are at now. And so they've taken like two weeks to come back here to East Texas and visit some family. And he played like a big scramble event called like the Luau there in Jacksonville that he's played in in the past and he's just like now he's grinding on his golf game because he since he's done with the bar exam he's not working yet he wants to kind of get it back in shape so I know he's coming down there to Waco to grind on his game a little bit too so he's he's still a golf nerd and still all about it and wants to get better so well his senior year at Baylor we we made it to match play at nationals he was a huge part of that by the Mm -hmm. he started the year basically our number five man by the end of the year he was probably our number two or three man and Mm -hmm. He did it all. I mean, he averaged 96 in on 18 holes in the eighth grade. Yeah. And by the time he got to Vince Clark at McLennan, he was an All-American. Anyway, we could go on and on about Hunter. What a guy. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. And he brought us together, which I'm always going to be thankful for. But 
you are doing something right now not everybody gets to do, and that is coach, be the head golf coach at your alma mater. Yes. That's got to have some sentimentality for you. It's got to fire you up. I want to hear about that. But also, you're coaching at a place where your college coach, Philip Hatchett, head coach, and what a great guy he was. Mm -hmm. And I want you to talk a little bit about him and his influence on you. Yeah. Um, yeah. To be back at my alma mater, to wear the logo again that I've wore for four years here, it's really, really special. Um, I mean, I I knew Western growing up. I had a lot of family here in the area and kind of knew Bowling Green. And when I got the opportunity to come play golf here, too, I knew it was something I needed to go do. Um, and then being able to come back and coach it was uh, just an incredibly, incredibly special opportunity. And yeah, Coach Hatchett, who I got to play for, um, he like he honestly, he kind of just gave me a chance to like live out a dream of mine. And like, I don't think that would have been here until like none of that without any of that, I wouldn't be here where I am today. We actually, I actually had a really cool full soaker moment when I first got here. Um, when I got here and was like signing HR paperwork and everything like that, the office I was in with uh, our, one of our administrators was actually his old office. And I remember like committing in that office. And now here I was being like signing my paperwork to actually become an official employee is really, really, really cool. But uh, that, yeah, that was one thing he did. He let me live out that dream with the opportunity that he gave me. Um, I wasn't that, when I look back on it, it was kind of like, dang, he really gave me a shot because I wasn't that great. I had a long way to go when I got here, um, which was okay. That was just part of the story. Um, and he was a very, very competitive guy. He worked hard. Um, he, he pushed us hard as well, um, but with good reason. So um yeah, working for him or playing for him was definitely special, and I wouldn't be here uh, without that, no doubt. Uh, very, very sad, tragic story. He was out riding a bicycle one day and, and was killed by, I guess, a traffic, a car hit him. Um, yeah. Where were um, you when you found out that news? So I was actually in Charlotte. Um, I had just gotten a job within, like, a few days. Uh, I was up there with my parents um, just trying to, like, find a place to live and everything like that. I just started and I got a call from one of my old teammates who uh, told me what had happened. I was just like, what are you talking about? Like, I just talked to him three days ago. Like, it was, yeah, a, just a really, really, really tough situation. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think from what I've heard, it was, I think, someone coming back from, like, a night shift at, at work. I, I, it was, like, really early on about a Sunday morning at, like, 6 or 7 o'clock in the morning. I think it had fallen asleep at the wheel and drifted over. Um, but now just a, a tough tough, tough story, tough situation. Um, I think one thing about it though. So a lot of the old teammates that I had here, it, it's still a very tight connected group. And that was one thing he did a really good job of is getting guys who were going to be going to be friends, going to do life together. And like, I still have a lot of them that live here in Bowling Green and there's a group text that I'm in with a lot of them who still talk to every day. A bunch of us played this past weekend when it was one of their birthdays and a couple more of them came to town. So um, I think just that whole story has continued to keep all of us connected over the years, which has been really special. Thank you for saying that, because that's, I think, one of the great special things about college golf. Mm -hmm. I'm sure it's in every sport in collegiate athletics, but college golf, it's a small unit. So you mm -hmm. get to know the people very, very well, and they become lifelong friends. It doesn't matter what happens, how long somebody plays golf or doesn't play golf competitively, but your lifelong friends. There's no doubt Absolutely. about it. I mean, Zach Robinson at Oklahoma State, who does not play competitive golf much at all, uh, is still best friends with Alex Noren, who's played, you know, the European Tour and the PGA Tour his entire career. So it's yep. like, that's a special thing and a good thing you guys are keeping that alive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. So you worked for Ben Hannon as a graduate assistant. He was mm -hmm. a great guy that got your start. 
but you also worked at Charlotte for a really good buddy of mine, mm-hmm. Ryan Cabbage, who's been a, a guest on this podcast as well. And Ryan is, I think, just an outstanding coach and has one of the great perspectives in college golf. Absolutely. So I want you to, he t- I asked him what he thought were his great qualities when he was on my podcast. I want to know from your perspective, what's the best things about him, best qualities, and what he taught you? Yeah. Oh, man. I uh, <laughs> I think I could go on for a long time about it. And I say that because it's true. Um, Cabo, as he's, called, as he's known in college golf, there, I don't know if there's a guy who works much harder than him. Um, when it came to recruiting, he was one of the first ones there and the last one to leave uh, and how he was able to balance it all being a dad to three boys and a husband to his wife, Jennifer. Um, I part of me thinks he didn't really sleep much. Um, and I don't know, he might not have, but he was up at, a he was up at the gym at like five in the morning on the Stairmaster most mornings too. So I think he learned that part from you a little bit. Uh, well, he did. Let me tell you a quick story before you go on. So he had heard legendary stories about the Stairmaster in Stillwater. Mm-hmm. And I invited him out to work my golf camp one year. And I thought, okay, I'm going to see what he's made of. Because I was doing the Stairmaster for an hour a day at the highest mm-hmm. level. I was just killing mm-hmm. it in those days. And he went out there. And I promise you, he he beat me on the Stairmaster mm-hmm. that day. I just couldn't believe it. Yep. Training? I mean, what did he do to get ready for this? It was amazing. He's a tough dude. Absolutely. No, tough as competitive as they come. Uh, and so, and one of the other great things, he was – he cared a lot about our players. Whenever you were going to play for him, you knew he was going to have your back and have your best interest at heart. Um, He wasn't, he was never afraid to tell guys what they needed to hear. And he always did it in a way that I felt like guys left with direction and practical direction. They knew it was coming from a place of like, because he cared about you and he wanted to see you do well. And he wanted to push you for good reason. That was one of the things that was so amazing. He knew what button to push when he knew when a guy needed the arm wrapped around him. He knew when a guy maybe needed a kick in the pants a little bit, but a guy never left, a never left his office or a time on the range or a time at a tournament with, without like practical ways to like go move forward and get better uh, with what he was doing. Um, that was one of the most amazing things uh, to see each and every single day from him. Sounds like he, to me, you ought to, you ought to use that this fall. Yes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Now he just, he, he led extremely, extremely well. It was honestly, it was incredible to see. It was honestly, I loved working with him and for him. And I learned so much each and every single day. Like it was, it was honestly, it was hard to leave uh, working with him. Um, it was that special. And anyone who gets the opportunity to work with him, it's like, you, it's a gift. So, but uh, being able to kind of come back here, I knew it was something I couldn't, pass up on. And he was always super, super encouraging to me and pushing me until I like, grow as a coach. Um, things that I needed to get better at helping me. I talked about like being decisive. Well, that was something I really learned from him. He taught me to kind of, it's sometimes more important to be decisive than it is correct. You can kind of fix it on the back end if you're able to go into it with full commitment. Um, and then, and being able to have tougher conversations with guys, knowing when they need to, and then being able to gain that awareness to know like what they need when. Mm. Well, uh, I think I agree with everything you say. It makes total sense as to why he is a great coach. And I, I just know that you have you have a challenge coming before you, and that's you're coaching as a head coach for the first time. And so that chair that I'm looking at this Zoom call, you're sitting at a chair. It's a head coach's chair. Yep, it is. <laughs> it's way different than that assistant coach's chair. Way yep. different. So this summer, 
What are the biggest things that have kind of kicked you in the teeth or surprised you? What are the surprises you've had? No student athletes yet, but yeah. what surprised you about this transition this summer? I think uh, one of the big things when was like recruiting. Um, honestly, you I've like going to offer kids and talk to kids and recruit them because I didn't uh, I had to start building a team right away just for this next 2024 class. Um, like I got told no, like right away from a couple of kids a couple of times. And it was it was kind of like, dang, I'm the one getting this call now. This is a little <laughs> different. Uh, when you're the assistant, you hear it as kind of like, dang, but you're able to kind of move on from it. Is this one you kind of it sits with you a little bit more. You might fall asleep thinking about it at night a little bit. But I think what the challenge in that is like, okay, what are you going to do with that now? Are you going to kind of feel sorry for yourself and sulking a little bit? Or are you going to be like, okay, maybe here's where I could have done better. Here's where I could have adjusted it a little bit. And then you kind of got to keep moving forward. Um, that's one of, I would say that's probably been the biggest kick. Like you might go watch a kid all over the place and then all of a sudden he ends up and like, you think you got him and then he goes somewhere else and you're like, wait, what did I, I like, what I do wrong? And sometimes it's like, man, that just wasn't, you didn't, you get who you're supposed to get and that just wasn't it. And that's okay. Learn what you can from it and then uh, keep pushing forward. You just said it. you get who you're supposed to get and by mm -hmm. gosh, coach the ones you do get. So let's yeah, talk about exactly. that. Yeah. Uh, anything you do that's unique in coach, you know, in your personality or whatever you think that might help you in coaching. Yeah. I would say one of the big things um, I do reflect on my own golf career a lot. Uh, just in a sense of, I felt like, I felt like I worked hard, but I didn't work super smart. I hit way too many golf balls, way too, <laughs> kept trying to hit the uh, too many perfect seven irons. Wish I would have probably played more golf. Wish I would have competed a little bit more. Um, and another thing I've learned is that, I mean, I said it kind of before we got on here to put it bluntly, I was pretty soft. I just, just in a sense of like, I let things get to me when I didn't have to. And so I try to, and now being in, on the other side of it, I kind of look back as like, you know, I actually had a choice to make in those moments where it got tough. Was it easy to? No, but it was necessary. It's like, if I go down this self-deprecating rabbit hole, then this isn't going to go well. So I need to find a way to make the choice to not do that uh, if I do want this to go well. And just being able to kind of look at it from a very practical sense, I think that was huge for me. And then another thing too, is that I try to help uh, any player I work with I like to help them understand like what good golf is from like a numbers perspective. So like I got an engineering degree in college, but that's another story where I got a couple of years, about three years into that. And I was just like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. Uh, but a lot of the numbers and problem solving skills and stuff that I gained from that stuff, I still use every single day. So when a guy has an understanding that like, Hey, that eight footer, you're only supposed to make about half the time or like, Hey, if you hit that seven iron from hundred and, 78 yards like inside 30 feet that's actually a tour quality shot so knowing little things like that I think it it's a lot of there's a lot of freedom in that so it's like oh like I wasn't supposed to make all of those it's like oh like I'm just supposed to hit it to there like I don't have to hit this thing to five feet um and helping guys really see that for what it is I think is super super helpful like helping them understand what good golf really is and looks like um I think that's stuff I really really try to harp on um I think that's kind of something that helps me out a lot. Well, I try to do the same thing, but I don't have an engineering math background. My brain does not work that way. So I have to work a little harder than you do to get that across to them. Yeah, I really do. All right. You know, uh, re relative to that, Austin, you know, you're getting ready to coach student athletes for the first time. And you mentioned earlier that you were 
you admittedly were a little bit soft as a player and you, you know, you'd like to help players with that, but what are some other things you didn't do well or couldn't mm-hmm. do as a player that you think you can help with your players with going forward? Yeah. Um, I didn't manage my golf game very well. Um, I played very emotionally is probably a good way to put it. I think that kind of comes back to the being a little soft. It's like, you'd make, you'd make a bogey and it's like, Oh, I need to make a birdie and get this shot back. And so I got to hit this four iron to five feet on this par three where it's stuck over bunker. It's like, no, like, it's okay. Like, what's this shot actually call for? You just need to hit this on the green and two putt, and then you can worry about birdie in the par five. Um, that's coming up. Uh, I think that's a big thing. And then with that, like, being able to um, prepare with that, like, and breaking down the golf course in a way of, like, hey, and looking back at statistics and numbers, I know I'll kind of come back to that just because that's a little bit of my background and knowing, like, hey, like, this is going to actually be the birdie hole. These are the kind of numbers you might have into the hole. Let's prepare for that. Um, and just, I think I'll be able to make stuff like have a little bit better purpose in the, in preparation. And just, so there's not, not a lot of stuff that's going on. That's like very mindless, if that makes sense. Uh, like hitting the shots that, you know, you need to hit like during the practice round, um, kind of knowing what to look out for knowing like, Hey, like you can be actually more aggressive to that pen or that one. Like, Hey, you really need to, let's actually give ourselves a little bit more room on this one and helping guys really understand that stuff. I think is something I'll be able to do. I love it. You're speaking in a very self-belief sort of confident way here. Do you think you're going to be able to do that when the, when the bell rings? I think so. Okay. I think so too. I just wanted to ask the question. Uh, and sometimes it's okay when you ask a question that makes somebody feel uncomfortable, you're going to have to do that with a player. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Let's talk about your current team. You you've inherited every single one of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now what they are is they are hilltoppers and you were one as well. I think it's yes, great. Sir. You can speak to that, but, Talk about your team, where are they from, who they are, that type of thing. Let's go through your lineup if we could. Yeah, so I inherited a team of 11, um, 10 returners and one guy, uh, and then one freshman, actually a, a guy from uh, Dallas, Gage Doyle, who I know you knew decently well just from him uh, at your camp and everything. He just got in a couple of days ago, and he's fitting in right away. Um, excited to work with him. Got a, got several Kentucky guys. Got like one from Louisville, one from Lexington, uh, a couple from kind of the Owensboro Bowling Green area, uh, two brothers who I'm really excited for. Um, and then it's an older team. It's not super, uh, I think I've got like three seniors and four juniors. Um, couple one, like one from Indiana, one from Chicago, uh, one from Georgia. So, and just from what I've learned so far, like it's a team that has some talent, I think, uh, a team who can hit some shots. I actually got, I got the opportunity to watch several of them play a good bit this summer, just with some overlap, but with some qualifiers where some juniors might be playing or maybe they got paired with someone. So that was actually really great to see. And then also like right away, like help, help them out with uh, a little bit of some golf game and some practice stuff right away. So I think they just may need some, a little bit more structure and a little bit direction. And that's okay. That's what I'm here for. That's the stuff I love. And so now that I'm the one sitting in this chair, like it's on me to help them get better. So uh, no, I'm, a, I'm excited for them. It's a good group. It's a tight knit group, which I think is really, really cool. Um, so I think, we got some guys who want to be good and want to get better, and I'm here to help them do that. What's the first day of school? When's your first qualifying round? When's your first competitive day? Yeah, so first day of school, we start Monday the 21st, so that'll be here in about five days. So uh, they're all getting all geared up for that. Uh, first qualifying uh, will probably be end up towards the later end of next week. I haven't gotten the definite date yet. Uh, still working through some class schedule stuff. And then uh, we leave our first event on September 9th, going to Lipscomb's event that they're hosting down at Streamsong in Florida. So excited to get it going. Okay, now 
does it does it feel i hate to ask feel questions so i'm not yeah. going to do that uh what are the nerves you're feeling even though i said feel again is you're, you're going to be a head coach and it's your team and you're going to prepare them and and it's on your coaching record at that point mm -hmm. how are you handling that because i remember i was an assistant coach all those years and when the team would win i would share in the victory and the team would lose i'd look at mike holder and say your team lost coach <laughs> so what what are you thinking about that yeah i think uh one of the biggest things if it doesn't go well just not beating myself up too much and not sitting in it um i think kind of like what i talked about in like the recruiting stuff here in the summer where you get told no a couple times it's like dang it's really easy to kind of fall into like just that kind of self-deprecation or it's like dang I, maybe i don't have what it takes here um i think it's going to be really important for me to look at that very as objectively as i can and be able to pull the stuff that hey that was pretty good but also it's like hey like i need to get I need to do this better. And then our players need to do this better. And now I need to help them do that. Uh, I'd say that's probably, uh, I would say that's the biggest thing and being, I know I'll come back to it being decisive with, with all of this. You need to be decisive. You said it earlier, yeah. it's better to be decisive than correct. I a hundred percent agree with that. Mm -hmm. uh, you just have to make the decision to do it. And I think it was one of my weaknesses as a young coach. I didn't want to upset anybody. I want everybody yeah. to feel good about who I am. Sure you better get past that real quick yeah. because yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's, I would say that's another one of like wanting to keep everyone happy and wanting to make everyone happy. And I've got 11 guys and you only take five to a tournament. So at some point in there, someone's not going to be happy and having to just manage that in the best way possible. Yeah. Like I think if you treat them right, treat them mm -hmm. with respect, treat them fairly, uh, they'll eventually be able to handle that decision, even if they don't like it. So you're a young head coach seven years ago, you were the same age as the seniors you're coaching right yeah. now. So you're not that far removed from where they are and living in a dorm and doing all that. What's the biggest advantage to being 29 as a head coach and the biggest disadvantage? Because I was just a high school coach. I was a head coach, but I was a high school coach at the time. I didn't have all the responsibilities that you have. What's the biggest advantage and biggest disadvantage do you think? I think uh biggest advantage is being this young. You're able to, I think, relate to them a little bit more just about like what's going on in the world and uh, things of that nature. Um, and like they're a lot of the stuff with them in college is pretty similar to what it was for me in college. Uh, and just being able to kind of help them navigate that will be, I think will be really, really helpful. Um, one of the biggest disadvantages is maybe I just don't, I might not quite have all the experience that maybe someone else has that might be coaching for 20 years or might be 40 or 50 years old. Um, but that's okay. I'm fortunate that I got in right away and I, this is my eighth year coaching. I'm only 29. Uh, I'd say that's probably one of the biggest disadvantages. Maybe there's just not quite enough or maybe there's not all the experience there that someone else could have, but still being able to pull the wisdom and the lessons and the stories from all that, I think will be important. I love that. I love it. I'm going to make sure that I make a point of having you on the podcast again when you want, when your team wins your first tournament as a head coach. I, I want to know what, what all went into that. And there's going to be a lot of great things between now and then and, mm -hmm. and a lot of disappointments. And maybe yeah. it's your first tournament stream song. Who knows? Yeah, never know. <laughs> maybe you just don't know. So um, your faith, I've yes. known you very, very closely. Your faith has been very important and to you. And, and I'm at a faith-based institution where I'm expected to share it. But you are at a public institution where you're not really allowed to share it. I guess when you're asked, you could. But how, how are you going to handle that when it comes down to it as far as how you handle the faith part, part of it? Yeah, I think that one of the biggest things is uh, showing it by example the most I can and understanding that uh, this is 
me coaching them as an act of service and that it's about it's about them it's not about me and doing everything i can in my power to help them get better um and even if it's something maybe i can't do quite do it practically giving them like avenues to be able to do that or putting them in touch with people who can maybe help them a little bit more and I, i'd say that's probably my biggest thing and then uh keeping things in perspective and keeping a humility about myself and the team um, and making, doing everything I can to make this all about them and uh, us getting better as a whole. I love that answer. So before we finish, I want to make sure you know one thing. I need you to keep your eye on that Ryan Blagg over at Louisville. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen him plenty this summer. <laughs> I bet you did. He, uh, he is really one of my favorite guys anywhere. He's just so interesting, so intelligent. So he communicates well. He does a great job. Have you been able to pick his brain at all? Yes, I have. Um, I know it was honestly a couple of weeks in the, uh, into the job. Uh, we talked on the phone once for uh, for a while, and he did a really good job of telling me just kind of what to expect, like recruiting-wise in Kentucky, um, just with different kids. Um, it's a really – it's interesting. Like, there's a lot of kids here who are pretty good but fly under the radar a little bit, I would say, because there's just a lot of, like – you have like a lot of kids from like small town places who don't really go super far away. But if you kind of get down in the weeds enough and go to some maybe far away places, uh, kind of like in far eastern Kentucky or western or the small towns, you can actually find some pretty good play. You can find some talent that kind of might be flying under the radar a little bit uh, with that. And uh, I know he's been great about just being encouraging to me and recruiting and working hard. Uh, and then also, like he, I know he's an open book to like talk, talk about like, hey, like if I've if there's something I wish I would have done better when I first started as a head coach, when he started there three, four years ago, now at Louisville, he's been fantastic for that. Well, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. Ryan is a very giving person, but, you know, I think our profession by and large, if, if you honestly, sincerely ask a, a more veteran type coach, you know, for some advice, I think our guys are really good about giving it because they had somebody helping them out when they were young too. Sure. For sure. Well, I, I want to thank you. We've, we spent about, 45 or 50 minutes here just talking and kind of one it was good catching up but two kind of i can see the i don't know excitement in your face that you're mm -hmm. really really fired up about this and and as i said i want to have you back on here when you've had a little bit of seasoning and when when some things have happened so we can talk about that as well yeah no i would love to do that and i appreciate you giving me the opportunity to, to uh, be on here and talk with you so i know i've learned plenty from you and more from this podcast so to be on it's an honor Absolutely, you bet. Well, best of luck, and we'll see you hopefully with recruiting and at a tournament sometime this year. Yes, sir. Sounds great, Coach. All right, thanks. thanks.